the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Monday, April the 13th, 2020, in the year of our Lord. Today in 1743, the third president of the United States, Thomas Jefferson, was born in Shadewell in the Virginia colony. Today in 1860, the Pony Express completed its inaugural run from St. Uh, St. Joseph, Missouri to Sacramento, California. They made it in 10 days. Didn't lose any mail either on the way. Today in 1902, J.C. Penney opened his first store in Kemmer. I think that's the way you pronounce that, in Wyoming. Today in 1943, President Franklin D. Roosevelt dedicated the Jefferson Memorial in Washington, D.C. That would have been the 200th anniversary of the birth of the third American president. Thomas Jefferson. Today in 1970, Apollo 13 was four-fifths of the way to the moon when it was crippled with a a tank containing liquid oxygen burst. The astronauts managed to return safely. I think there was a movie made about that. It was pretty traumatic, but they made it. You probably remember that in 1970. Today in 1992, the Great Chicago Flood took place. The city has these century-old tunnel system under the city. Well, for some reason, the the uh, Chicago River burst into those underground tubes and into the adjacent buildings of, of all the, the high-rises and other buildings around there, filled up with water. It became known as the Great Chicago Flood. Today, 1999, Right to Die advocate. Remember him, Dr. Jack Kevorkian? He was sentenced in Pontiac, Michigan, to 10 to 25 years in prison for second-degree murder, in the lethal injection of a Lou Gehrig's disease patient. He was a great advocate. He traveled the country preaching the gospel of death. He was sentenced to 10 to 25 years, but he only served eight years. But he did move move the dial, as they say, toward acceptance, normalizing assisted suicide in America. And then states like Washington State and others decided to legalize it. Today in 2006, confessed Al-Qaeda conspirator Zacharias Massawi, you probably remember his name, I think we all do, he expressed no remorse for his role in the 9-11 attacks. He stood on trial for the second time, or hearing the second time in his death penalty trial in Alexandria, Virginia. He said, I, I'm not sorry at all that I did that. It was the right thing to do. One year ago today, the leaders at Morehouse College in Atlanta, that's the country's only all-male historically black college, they said they'd had a meeting, a lot of discussion, some deep thought, and they had made a policy change for this all-male historically black college. They would now, They would now be accepting transgender men under this policy change that was approved by the Board of Trustees. 
I'm not sure how that's worked out, but generally those things don't work out as well as those progressives who make the decisions think they will. I hope you had a blessed Easter yesterday. We we did. We spent time with our family in <laughs> on social media. We got together with uh, FaceTime. Our son hooked it all together, and I think one of our daughters was involved in But anyway, all of us were able to get on there at the same time. I was kind of amazed. I didn't think you could do that, but you can. And we did that, including our our uh, one granddaughter, who she and her husband teach in a Christian school in Germany right now, and they were on there as well. So we had a great time. We spent some time together and talked back and forth uh, on the Internet. There are good things that come from the Internet and bad things. That was a good thing. I hope you were able to have contact with loved ones, family, and whatever. And I think, and I hope most of all, I hope we all had some quiet moments where we could really absorb what Easter is all about. Oh, we know what it's about. Most of us, we Christians certainly do. But all of the trappings that are generally hung around Easter weren't there this year, really. It wasn't an effort on the part of anyone to remove the eggs and the bunnies and all that stuff. And I did a commentary over the weekend on ACN. You probably heard it. You may have. But it wasn't so much an effort to remove all that as it was just kind of the natural course of events. And when God does things or allows things, often what would seem almost impossible just happens. And God has stopped our world for a moment in time. He's allowed this to happen. He didn't cause it, but he's allowed this to happen, this virus pandemic all over the world. We have been shut down in ways that even Hitler couldn't have done. No man could do this politically. But God has allowed this to happen. And I, I think I think God has not only given us a reprieve as Christians through the presidency of Trump, and that's why the other side, the left, is so violently they hate that man. They hate him like, I mean, there's always been adversary between adversarial feelings between politicians over the years, and I've seen it in my lifetime. I've been around a few years, and I've seen that. I'm sure you have, too. I've observed it. I've been a close observer of politics because I think it's important, particularly for Christians, to be informed as to what's going on in our world. It's very difficult to be salt and light if you don't even know what's going on in your world. So I paid attention from the time I was a kid when I was a youth pastor. was paying attention, and I have all through the years. Never had an inclination to be a politician had I not been called to the ministry. I may have had, but I have not had. I've never been, I've never considered running for political office, but I've never considered ignoring what those who are in political office are doing and thinking. We need to know as Christians. But I have never seen a time quite like this. I've never seen a politician so hated. The press, there is not even a pretense anymore of the press to be even approach fairness or a non-biased approach to news in regards to this president. I've never seen anything like it. We'll be talking about that in the days to come because 
they're organizing now. And uh, in fact, yesterday morning on MSNBC, that's the news arm of NBC, they have a program on Sunday morning called AM Joy. Boy, to me, that's a misnomer. <laughs> in the best case and in the worst case, it's garbage. But anyway, they call it AM Joy. And uh, House Intelligence Committee Chairman uh, Representative Adam Schiff, remember him? How can we forget? He's a Democrat from California. He led the attack on Trump trying to impeach him and remove him from office. Actually, the House impeached him. The Senate said, no, he's not. He doesn't need to be impeached. Uh, unanimously, all the Republicans voted. But uh, Schiff told AM Joy yesterday morning in NBC's news uh, operation, he said, I will investigate and they are, they're already beginning to do this. I will investigate what warnings from the Intelligence Committee and health organizations that President Donald Trump ignored in the early stages of the coronavirus pandemic. And he goes on to say a bunch more. And I'll, we'll be talking about that this week. But I've noticed that the press has, at least to some degree, successfully driven a wedge between President Trump and Dr. Fossey. The you know who he is. He's on there all the time. He's a, the expert, probably the leading expert in the country. I'm I'm sure he's a Democrat personally. I don't know that, but I, I would guess he is. But he stepped up to serve on the invitation of the president, and the president has had him up there in every one of those daily news briefings. And America likes the guy. Now they have now the press has created a situation where they're pitting Trump against Fossey. And um, they have him now saying things. Maybe he's not quite as skilled at handling the press, and maybe he doesn't really mean what they have him saying. But they are they are getting him to say certain things by asking certain questions that appear to be putting him at odds with the president. That, of course, is part of the plan because this will be the next impeachment exercise, I guess you would call it, or attempt, on President Trump. And all of the the dogs are, are lining up to pull the sled across the snow toward the uh, toward the prize. And that is of course that is of course the election in November. And um, it, it's it's troublesome to me because it's really not based on what's best for the country. It's really based on a few in power who want to control everything all the time. Barack Obama has resurfaced now. He's got his own, uh, got a new website, and he's he's on there. He's criticizing everything. He slammed the decision to go ahead with uh, last week's election in, in Wisconsin. He said that's forcing thousands of people out to the polls amid a statewide stay-at-home order aimed at slowing the spread of the coronavirus, and he went on and on and on. He's reinserting himself now into the politics. I think there's a reason why Barack Obama has not endorsed Joe Biden yet. I'm not saying he won't. I don't have any friends that are close to any of those people that I know of. But just by observing and a sense of maybe discernment, you can kind of see where those people are going. I think there's a reason why he hasn't endorsed Joe Biden, because they seem to be pretty close buddies when they were in the White House for eight years. But there's something else going on beneath the surface. I don't know if Biden will be the actual candidate or not by the time the Democrats meet. 
but it is sinister and it is probably going to be presented as for the greater good, but it will be what they feel is their best shot to bring down a president. It isn't that they feel they have better policies because they're not presenting any policies. There is no plan presented of how to make America better, which is what they're theoretically uh, elected to do. There's no plan coming out of them. I mean, they say words when they're pressed or when somebody, one of their friends in the press says, how would you like, what would you like to do for America? We'd like to make it a better place. Oh, okay, great. Joe Biden to make America a greater place, reads the headline. I mean, that's the way it works. But I think there's something going on that is not yet surfaced there, but we'll see, excuse me, how that all plays out. But uh, that's the world we live in. Those are the things that are happening, and we'll be talking about such things in the days ahead, probably this week. We'll be talking more about that. Paul wrote to the Philippians. It's recorded in chapter 4, verse 13. Most of us know this from memory. Most of us probably memorized it from the King James Version, but it says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. That's true. We can, but sometimes it's very difficult. He wrote to the Romans in chapter 8, verse 37, Nay, he said, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. We're living in a time when we have got to stand in the strength of the Lord, because if not, what's going on in our world would absolutely destroy us. And it is. Domestic violence is spiked. It's sky high as a result of people being forced into their own homes by virtue of this distancing and all of that. Domestic violence is spiked. I I read the number, I think, 550% over a year ago, same time, at least in some areas. There's also also an issue that is coming from this. People are becoming very depressed. Suicide uh, is starting to rise. People are starting to become concerned about it, those in the field. A lot of things are happening in our world today, and we're being pulled and tossed and pushed by the circumstances. But I will tell you, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Stand on the word. Stand on the rock. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him. God's going to direct our path through this. He'll be with us because he never leaves. He never forsakes. So whatever your circumstances are, be encouraged, not by what you see around you, but by by the person, God himself, who lives within you. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. George Stephanopoulos, he's that guy on ABC News, worked for the Clintons for a number of years. He was like an assistant or chief of staff, something with President Bill Clinton. He had, he announced this morning on the uh, ABC show, Good Morning America, from his home. They had a camera there in his home. He was on TV with the rest of those people, but he was at his house. And he announced this morning that he is... Uh, 
has the coronavirus. He's caught it. And uh, he said it's really no surprise because his wife had tested positive a while back, a couple of weeks ago. She's had, she, I guess she's been very sick. I wasn't following him in particular, but uh, I guess she's been very sick. She's had a fever. She's had chills and just, she said it's been really difficult. So he said, I wasn't surprised that I had it, but he does. And so they're talking about that in the news today. I noticed one other thing over the weekend. I just want to mention to you, and it, it just briefly, it it should have more time to discuss, but just mention it in passing because it kind of fits with what I really want to talk to you about today. Officials in Kentucky last week were trying to pressure a church, one in particular, but there were several churches there. There were churches in Florida as well who decided to not comply with the federal guidelines and and strong suggestions and uh, have services in in the building, have people come and have a regular service. And, of course, we were all supposed to say, and most of the churches did shut down, and I believe that's the right thing to do with this. I'm going to be the first one to speak out when I think there's a time, biblically, when you can stand against the authorities and be justified in the eyes of God. Scripture is very clear on that. But I don't think this is that, because I don't think these people, whatever their motives are, I don't think the governors and those that are making these decisions are making them first and foremost with trying to shut the church down. They may like to shut some of the churches down, but I don't think that's what's driving this decision. I really don't. And I think it's wise. I think it's the right thing to do to be going along. And most churches are across the country are just not having services until we can get this coronavirus epidemic under control. But this one church in Kentucky, and I understand where they're coming from, but they said they were going to go ahead and have services yesterday, and they did. It looks like a fairly large church. And the governor there, he's a Democrat, Andy Brashear, the governor of, of Kentucky, he announced that he would have his police officers out there by the church take, writing down the, the license plate uh, numbers on the cars that were going to the service to hold them accountable if they're, if the virus starts to spread among that congregation. Well, they kind of thought that was just sort of a, you know, a scare tactic and tried to try to cause people not to go. And maybe it did, but they were out there and they were writing down names of the people who were going to the service because they were not supposed to be holding the service. It's very, those kinds of things are very troubling in the kind of an environment, particularly that we live in right now. Several states, Bloomberg has announced this morning that several states have launched new efforts to contain the COVID-19, as they say, laying plans to test aggressively. And they said one of the most important things in this Bloomberg article that was just published this morning is to track the potentially infected and to track those who have had the virus and not, I understand the value of that, but that's chilling. That now it's becoming one of the, for the greater good, one of the most important things that they can do is to track people. With that in mind, with that in mind, let me talk to you for a few minutes. And I could be misunderstood. I thought about that before I decided to talk about this this morning, but so be it. Please understand my spirit. I'm not 
suggesting anything I'm not saying. Bill Gates told the Wall Street Journal last week that he and his wife will make billions of dollars available for manufacturing the most promising vaccines to combat coronavirus. He says, we've got to get to the cure right early on, not waste a bunch of time and money. So they're putting billions of dollars into this, he says. This reminded me of a conversation that the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation had with Rice University. It's been a few months ago. It was the end of the year. I think it was December-ish. A few months ago, but they were telling them, at that time, the most urgent problem, the most urgent problem is knowing who's been vaccinated and who is not. We've, We've got to track people, they said. The Wall Street Journal quotes Bill Gates, our early money can accelerate things. Vaccines, he said, are clearly required because of the far-reaching spread of the virus. And he said, and I'm quoting, the only thing that really lets us go back to normal and feel good about sitting in stadiums with lots of people is to create a vaccine and not just take care of our country, but take that vaccine out to the global population. So we're talking about tracking people. We're talking about a global application. And I'm aware of those, that there are those within the Christian community and the conservative community, some of who listen to this program. I understand that you do not believe in any kinds of vaccines for any reason. I understand why you feel that way, but I want to be honest with you and transparent. I don't share that view. I think there is a place for that because, but I certainly understand those who don't. But I think medicine can be used to advance an ideology, or a movement, and it has been. I understand that. Education, science, a number of other disciplines are regularly used for indoctrination purposes as well. But I personally believe that God, through his Son, Jesus Christ, according to Scripture, created all that exists. All things were made by him, and without him nothing was made that was made. God allows us to discover his truth, including in these various fields. I'm coming from the point of view that everything belongs to God and what we discover as men and women is just that, a discovery of what already exists. We don't create it. And I believe in the right hands, it can be used for good. In the wrong hands, anything can be used for evil. Guns. I have guns. I have quite a few of them, actually, just collected them over the years. I mean, not a collection, but I have... Several in our home. I've always had guns. I, I grew up hunting pheasants and quail and deer and elk and everything else. A gun in the in, in the wrong hands can be lethal. But a gun in the right hand, right hands of just ordinary people is okay. You understand what I'm saying? So I understand where those of you are coming from who believe the way you believe. I just I don't share that belief. But keeping track of a child's shots, the article said in December in Rice University newspaper, keeping track of a child's shots could be so much easier with technology invented by a new Rice University professor and his colleagues. The report says Kevin McHugh, keep in mind what Bill Gates said, now we're over at Rice University, Kevin McHugh, an assistant professor of bioengineering at Rice, he said his team, his team, along with some colleagues from Massachusetts Institute of Technology, MIT, 
reporting a cover story of science translational medicine on their new development of this quantum dot tags that fluorescent with information after they're injected as part of the vaccination. There's a pattern of a 1.5 millimeter micro needles. They're put into the body. They dissolve with the vaccine. So you get the shot. But these little micro needles are made out of a crystallized sugar, actually. And they dissolve within a few minutes in your body, leaving the encapsulated quantum dots in there. Their pattern can be read to identify the, the vaccine that was administered. The tags are incorporated in only certain arrays. They said they could be wide application, but they're only going to use this, these little tags under the skin, like a barcode tattoo, but you can't see it. But it can be scanned. In fact, this near-infrared dye is invisible, but the pattern can be scanned and read and interpreted by a customized smartphone. So anybody can check anybody with a, custom, a certain customized smartphone. So what does that have to do with Bill and Melinda Gates? Well, McHugh says, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation came to us and said, hey, we have a real problem. This was at the end of last year. Knowing who's been vaccinated. They said we go out on vaccination campaigns where people go out in Hummers. They drive to a rural village. They set up a tent. They start immunizing people. But they don't always know who's been immunized before and who hasn't and what vaccines are still needed. So this, again, is for the greater good of the society. McHugh says parents often don't know their children's vaccination histories. They can't remember. So he said our idea was to put the record on the person. This way, later on, people can scan over the area to see what vaccines have been administered and give only the ones that are needed. He said it's just a little square centimeter patch, 16 tiny needles. He said they don't go very deep. It makes them theoretically painless. He said kids don't mind. They're like putting a bandage on. He also says he and his team are aware of the possible concern over ethics. He assures the public that he and his team work with a bioethicist to be sure patients' data remains protected. This bioethicist, a woman, she says, we're on solid ground as long as people can opt out, like getting the patch with only the vaccine. But there are concerns. McHugh plans to continue his work on technology at Rice University. While this new technology solves some of the problems, he says, and they say, it's adaptations are much broader and much wider. In the book of Revelation, we read of much of what's going to happen in the future and in the end times. I would only leave this suggestion with you today before we say goodbye to continue tomorrow. In the book of Revelation, chapter 13, there is another beast is introduced, both great and small, rich and poor, free and slave. He seduces they receive the mark on their right hand, on their forehead. But in the original language of that chapter, it says they receive it in their hand and in their forehead. Just something to think about. Do I think the Gates and the Professor Kevin McHugh and all those are that person? No, not at all. They're not bad people. But think of this technology in the hands of the wrong people. That's why we need to stand on the rock 
of Jesus Christ. Hey, thanks for being with me today. Thank you for your support. We need it. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. We'll continue tomorrow.